I'm Chris Gunkel, and this is the TREP Improvement Project Podcast, where we are building a better entrepreneur. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. We're back for another episode of the TREP Improvement Project, where we're building a better entrepreneur. And today, I have with me Trajan King. Trajan, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, for those of you who don't know Trajan, he has this big, long bio that would take me the whole show to go over, but I'll try to shorten it down a little bit. So basically, he's he's the king, it sounds like, of startups. So he's been involved in a number of startups, selling some of those off. Uh, one of them was even a he, he sold a marketing agency to the American Dental Association. Um, he's worked with a lot of Fortune 100 companies. He's had eBay, Adobe, Honda, Oracle as clients before. So he's he's been a huge part of companies like that and, and really coming into some other companies and dissecting the financial situation there and working on turning the companies around. Maybe that's outsourcing labor overseas, something like that, um, to make the companies profitable. In addition to all of his experience in the business world, he also speaks multiple languages. He has his uh, BS in finance. He has an MBA in accounting. He likes to do triathlon, triathlons, including the Ironman, which I don't understand why anybody wants to do that. Me neither. <laughs> and he's a black belt in Taekwondo. So out of all of those things, I have one in common. I got the black belt in Taekwondo, but that's it. So, do you really? Adrian, I do. That's awesome. But you're making, you're making the rest of us look bad with this whole long list of things that you have. So well, <laughs> thanks well, a lot. We're going to have to get together and, and spar sometime. I I think we should. That's I would enjoy that. Well, thanks for that introduction. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. So, you know, as we get going, I gave just a, a quick outline, um, but can you dive in a little bit deeper into your background? Because it's it's pretty interesting what you've done. Okay, sure. I'd be happy to. I went to, to, to school for finance and accounting with the objective of working on Wall Street. That was always my, my dream growing up. And after I graduated, I actually did work on Wall Street at, at the big German bank, Deutsche Bank, in New York City, and had a really grueling and fun experience working there. And it was during that time that I, that I thought that I probably wanted to work for myself because it was uh, just not for me working for the man. So that's kind of where my, my entrepreneur uh, drive started uh, because I worked a lot of hours and uh, – it was really difficult to get time off and to really have a life. And I, and I thought, uh, this isn't really where I want to be. In fact, one of my, my managers told me the, the career trajectory for where I was working was that if I worked there for 10 years, I'd be making millions and have a couple of kids and an ex-wife who all hate me. So I thought, well, that doesn't sound so great working, working, uh, a hundred hours a week for 10 years. So now I work for myself and still work a lot of hours, but do it on my own terms. So I kind of have a dual background in finance, working on Wall Street, and then I worked in Silicon Valley for 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 many years, uh, working and consulting for uh, for tech companies during the big tech boom um, of about uh, 15 years ago. Is kind of where I got my my feet wet working in the tech world. So I try to combine finance and tech both together, and that led me to other opportunities where I was working with turnarounds. Um, cleaning up their balance sheets and and improving their technology at the same time. 
which I think is a lot of fun. Okay, so pretty pretty varied background though, but you know, it has the the same common theme that a lot of us had where <laughs> you know, we're we're working in corporate America or or wherever we happen to be and it's just not all us cracked up to be, maybe. Um working a lot of hours, not working on your terms, those sorts of things. I remember um I was talking with somebody who who used to work on Wall Street as well. And she would talk about all these times that she would basically just she, she lived outside of the city, lived upstate, um, but she would be working so many hours. She'd just crash on her couch in her office and then wake up and, and go at it again right. and not really have much of a life. I mean, was that your experience there? Yeah, pretty much. And a lot of it is FaceTime waiting, waiting around for your manager to approve something. And you just have to be there because they, they want you to be there, even if you don't have anything to, to do. And I think that's a common a common thing I hear with people working, working in the corporate world is a lot of you're required to be there a lot and just punch the punch the clock, even though you might not have much to do that day. And then the next day you're swamped. And I, I think that as an entrepreneur, we can get a lot more done by ourselves if we're managing our own schedule rather than having to fit into the into the the square peg in the round hole, maybe fit, fit into the schedule of the corporate world. Right, right. There's not a lot well, of that, flexibility. And and then you have a, a chunk of the day, anyways, around the water cooler or people stopping by the office and chatting with you. So um, that kills some of it too. <laughs> right. It's so inefficient. When I when I first went on on my own, I would get things done in about two hours that it that in the corporate world would take all day because I think the the work expands to fit the time allotted to it. So if you have kind of like when you're in college, if you have a deadline, most people wait until the very last minute to write a paper, even though it may only take two hours, you think about it for a whole month. So right. I think working for yourselves, you can set your own deadlines and get things done a lot quicker by saying, you know, this is what I'm going to do today. And if it takes me 15 hours, that's too bad. If it takes me a half an hour, that's great. But this is what I'm doing today. And if you're if you if you finished early, then go go golf. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's one of the big things is having that uh, having that efficiency, like you said. Now, on the flip side of it, though, it can be it can be difficult, especially if you're working from home or something. You can get distracted by everything. How how are you dealing with that? Well, that's true. Well, I would I would start by saying that I think that the 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 myth of the four hour work week is dangerous for entre- entrepreneurs. The, the the idea that we can do everything and just work a, a couple of hours a day. Being an entrepreneur is a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of reward and a lot of risk. But it is it it does take a lot of work. One of my early mentors said it said that if you are an entrepreneur, the great thing about it is that you can work any 12 hours of the day that you want. And I think that's I think that's really true that you have a lot of freedom, but it does take take a lot of time. So I think. It takes discipline, especially if you're working at home and starting something on your own. It takes discipline to set aside time and block that out and make that time that time sacred. So a couple of things that I do is is block out certain hours that I'm going to be doing things and and then make a task list that I follow religiously every day. So I follow my calendar and follow the task list. And as long as I'm staying on those, then it's a lot tougher to get distracted. So if it's two o'clock in the afternoon and somebody calls me to go golfing, you know, another entrepreneur that they have me ha- have a day free. Then 
I've got to have the discipline to say, well, I haven't finished my list. I haven't finished my chores for the day. And I've got this time blocked out. We we often block out time for meetings and other people, but we don't block out time for ourselves. Absolutely. And I I think that time should be just just as sacred to block out time for for writing or thinking or or working on projects. And don't let other people encroach on that time. You know, and, and there's something that you said there, too, that I want to make sure everybody picks up on, and that's blocking out the time for thinking. There's, um, you know, this this perception or, or this a habit, I guess, that's drilled into us um, from the time we're in school and then going, you know, all the way through and getting our job that we have to be busy. We have to look busy, look like we're doing something and be productive. And, and I think that's one area that a lot of people struggle, myself included, where, you know, sometimes you just need to sit and think and, and kind of mull things over and work them out. But you can almost feel kind of guilty, right. you know, that oh, I'm not getting anything done. So I, I think that's good that you highlighted that. Yeah, I don't think the corporate world rewards just sitting there and thinking. Somebody told me once that if you work for a, a corporation, the best thing to do is always carry a folder around with you. So it looks like it looks like you're working on something. Walk quickly and carry a lot of paperwork, and it looks like you're 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 you're, you're busy. It looks like you're efficient, but sometimes you just need to sit every morning, sit down and think about your day, visualize it, plan it out in your mind. Maybe write things down, write out your your task list, and plan before before you actually do. And I think you'll get a lot a lot done. Yeah, so so Trep Tribe, if you get nothing else out of this, just take that one point. Make sure you're setting some time aside for yourself. Make sure you're able to think about what you need to do and and let yourself be inspired a little bit. So thank you for that, Trajan. Um, no I, I'd like to back – oh, sorry, go ahead. Did you have something no, else? No, go, go ahead. Okay. I'd like to back it up just a little bit, jumping back into some of your background. Okay, so you went from Wall Street and you decided – New York winters are too cold, and I don't want to be an employee. <laughs> and, and so you went over to the other side of the country. You're in Silicon Valley. You're during the tech boom. I imagine that's very exciting to be there. Were you, were you working with startups at that point? Was that your main thing? What, what were you working with there? No, I worked more with, like you said, the Fortune 100 companies that, that were a lot smaller back then. eBay was one of our early clients, and that was in uh, 98, 99 when the revenue went from in 96, it was probably about 5 million. 97, it was 25 million. 98 or 99, it was probably 200 million. Of course, now they're a lot bigger. So I wouldn't really call them startups, but they were, they were nascent internet companies that grew into a lot larger, a lot larger companies. And they had, they had issues they were dealing with with that growth that caused a lot of problems. And that's, that's what, that was my job is to help them, help them with that growth. Okay, very nice. So very dynamic environment, though. I'm sure, you know, a lot of challenges that they came up there. And and so was that just a, a another thing just kind of got burned out with with that scene and wanted to move on? What was what was, uh you know, your inspiration for launching into the next big thing? Yeah, that during that time, I worked for a consulting company and and they 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 were hired by all these companies to help with their infrastructure and their 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 tech. And then in 2001, the tech the tech boom took its toll and a lot of big companies cut cut consultants and cut their budgets so uh that's when i that's when i moved on to other things and tried to take the experiences that i had had during that time and launch some of my own different startups so now you've had multiple startups 
you're you're still on your own doing your own thing um you have a couple of projects going at this point and you know so this is something i want to talk about too is is we're growing a lot of people feel like i need to have employees i need to have a, a bunch of people working for me to do certain things um what's your answer to that do you do you think having a lot of employees is the answer to growth do you prefer prefer doing some outsourcing what what do you do in your business well it, it's funny that in the in the press in the media when they're talking about companies and the growth of companies they always use or often use the yardstick of number of employees to talk about how big a company is and i think that right. that's kind of silly because they'll say oh this company grew from 5 employees to to 500 employees but there's no really no way to know if that's a good thing or not because that's uh, that that's not a good measure of success because i i think at least for a small business keeping your headcount low helps you be more dynamic. One thing that I learned in the, in the couple of past recessions, having having worked through the tech boom and then the uh, the Great Recession of uh, 2008, is if you've got a lot of employees, when your business turns down, you don't have much flexibility and you or agility to to move. And in our modern economy, it's pretty easy to work with with contractors and outsourcers and uh, and freelancers especially as an entrepreneur. So what so when I started, that was one of the first things I that I looked for. And starting a business today, you can get off the ground without going out and hiring staff, which increases the complexity of a business because you've got to worry about uh, about taxes, about insurance, about managing multiple employees. Where are you going to put them? Where are you going to put their desks? How what are you going to do about office space? It, but now if you're working from home or have a small space, you may not have some room or the financial ability to hire people or you may not have enough for them to do because that's a big step from going from working from yourself to having enough work to keep oh, somebody else busy. There's a lot of gray area between. You know, Maybe you have enough work to keep somebody busy half the times or a quarter of the time. But you don't want to pay somebody for that. So there are a lot of good resources like, like Fiverr, where you can go. And I use this all the time. For example, I need uh, I need an infographic made for one of my websites, or I need a video edited. I don't want to go out and hire somebody full time to do that. So I go to Fiverr and I hire them uh, to do it for for five bucks or twenty bucks by job, and that saves me a lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of management that I can uh, just somebody find somebody to do specific jobs for me on a website like that. And I also no. work with a team of programmers in uh, one team in Pakistan, one team in India that we could talk about, but that's kind of a separate thing because they're full time. Okay. So, well, I, I'd like to make one, one point from what you said here. Um, even going to Fiverr, let's say, or, or people go to Odesk or Elance, you know, those other sites do. I use Fiverr quite a bit for things, little things. Um, and, and a lot of people talk about the cost of, of hiring somebody else to do it. And can you speak a little bit to about the importance of leveraging your time and that it's okay sometimes to spend that money to hire somebody else to do it, like 20 bucks for an infographic? And you might say, well, I have decent skills. I can do it in an hour. Um, is, is it worth it to do it yourself and use that hour? Or, or can you speak to the, the importance of leveraging that time and hiring somebody to do it? Sure. Well, I think entrepreneurs often suffer from the superhero complex which is we believe that we can and should do everything because we're, we're the entrepreneur. This is our idea. It's our baby. 
So we want to do everything. We want to be involved in everything and manage everything. But the reality is that we can't, we can't do everything. We don't have time. There's so much to do, so many different hats we need to wear. And one of my favorite books is called The E-Myth, or the, the, it was revised called The E-Myth Revisited. And it talks about how when you're starting a, starting a new venture, you have, there are a lot of different processes that need to get done. And as you grow, it's best to try to, to have somebody else do each of those processes. So for example, when you start, there's, there's marketing, there's sales, there's accounting, there's client management, there's doing the projects, and you're doing all of that. And as you grow, maybe the first thing to do is find somebody to handle the accountant for, accounting for you. And then the next thing is maybe find somebody to help with the SEO. And then take each of those processes and find somebody to help you with to really leverage your time so you can work on, number one, what you're really good at, and what is most beneficial to your company and what you what you like. Otherwise, I think you hold yourself back and you hold the company back if you try to do everything on your own. And, yeah, and definitely. And you'll get burned out and you won't like it anymore. Right, right, absolutely. So, okay, so now I've made the mind switch that I need to go ahead and, and hire some people to do some things. I'm searching out different sources. There are a lot of avenues that we can take to go find outsourcers for things. Um, so let's say I have a, a programming project or a design project or something. Can you walk us through maybe where I want to look for people and what some, some to-dos and some not-to-dos to make sure I don't get myself in trouble? Can you, can you give us some of those pitfalls and things to look for? Sure. I, unfortunately, from my own experience, I can speak to a lot about what not to do, which, uh, which I've made a lot of mistakes working with, uh, with outsourcing. I've done it since about 2005, worked with a lot of different individual freelancers and, 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 and companies. And I've noticed that different countries may have a specialty in different things. Like Americans are good, have a lot of good graphic designers, have some creativity and Indian Pakistan have a lot of good programming capabilities and the Philippines has good um, customer service or our support and interaction with customers. And one of the things that I've learned is when you're bidding on a project, say you go to Odesk and you're looking for a programmer to build you a website, it's really important, a couple of things. One is to scope out the project very detailed of what you want and how you want it to function and how it will look. Maybe look at some other examples of sites that are similar or projects that are similar to what you want to give to the programmer to say, these are the 10 things I want it to do, and here are some sites that look like what my site should look like, the same style, and here are some other sites that function in a very similar way. Working with freelancers and outsourcing, I've found that a lot of people are very good at following instructions, but they can't jump into your mind and try to guess what you have envisioned unless you scope it out very specifically. And then secondly, I would say reward reward freelancers for getting the project done on scope and on budget and in the right time and penalize the ones that don't. So set up ahead of time a due date for the project and also a penalty for for missing your mark. I've had a lot of experience with with people who just don't finish the project because they've got a lot of work going on and it may not be a big deal to them because they don't know you. They're just a freelancer working on your project. But to you, 
it's it's everything to hit those dates because you've got people counting on you and maybe you've got clients. So you need to give them a carrot and a stick to make sure that they finish projects on time and exactly how you specify. And those those sound like simple, obvious things, but the more projects you work with with outsourcing, you realize how important that really is because missing dates and not doing it exactly how you specify are very common. Now, is there any way to go as you're looking for somebody to check references or check a rating or anything like that so you can get a better feel for if, you know, if they're going to do a good job for you? Yeah, I, I, I use sites like, like you mentioned, Odesk to find, to find programmers, either full-time or work on specific projects. And they'll have ratings on those sites like Fiverr and they'll have ratings on Odesk of recommendations. But I also try to put things in the post for the project to see if they're going to do what I ask. So, so I'll post a project look, looking for somebody to, to help me with and I'll post specific things like must uh, put in your proposal these five things or I need an example of this kind of site and I need, I need it to be done in this time period. And I'll, I'll ask specific questions because I want to see which people actually respond respond with what I'm asking for rather than sending out a template, sending out a uh, just uh, something that they send to everybody, which is also very common because they look for projects and they have kind of their standard boilerplate response. And I know that if I'm getting a boilerplate response, somebody didn't take the time to really look at my project and know if they can do it or not and if they can do it in the time that I'm asking for. So I put things in there to see if they catch, see if they pick up on it and if they're reading carefully. Excellent tip. Excellent tip. So, so now let's say I've gone through, I've decided I'm going to outsource. I've done it a couple times. I'm falling in love with it. Oh, it gives me so much more time, freedom, and I'm getting things done. What, at what point does it maybe go too far? Are there things that I shouldn't outsource? I think that you shouldn't outsource your connection to your clients. And that connection could be over the phone or through your social media. They need to see the voice of your company. And trying to outsource that to to somebody else is dangerous because they may a lot fall through the cracks if your client is talking to a customer service person that you hire in the Philippines. It's at, at, at least initially, you want to get feedback from your clients, so they should be calling you. If there's a problem with your product or your service or your website, you want those people to be talking directly to you. And if you're posting on Facebook, you want to be the voice of your company posting directly to the com- to, to your clients, responding to their emails, responding to their, to their tweets, because you really build a connection and you know what they like and what they don't like. If you have somebody else do that, they're going to do it in a different voice and you won't really get a feel for what's working and what's not working if you if you outsource that to somebody else. Yeah, I think that's really important. I, I work with clients on, you know, some some brand stuff and making sure that they have a, a good voice that's, you know, telling their story and everything that they do is in alignment with what their brand represents. And I think you're absolutely right that if you start letting other people do all of that for you, that it's going to get diluted um, or, or just become, you know, morph into something that you're not wanting. And, and that's going to kill your business, I think. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the important, most important assets that you have is your client base. So that should be your top priority. Priority, And people love it when you respond to them personally. No matter how big or small your company is, if they, if they register a complaint or ask a question and they get an email back from the owner, people love that. It builds a connection. If they get an email, a template email back from, from a customer service representative, it's just not the same as hearing from the owner. Make them feel special. Exactly. Make them feel like they're the only ones in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Thank you so much, Trajan. I, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit here. You've given us some great information on you know, what to do, what not to do as we're looking for outsourcing, maybe, maybe how we can use it better. Now, you've given us some of that information. I want to find out where you get your information. So you mentioned the e-myth already by Michael Gerber, and we all get information from a lot of different sources. So do you have another book or another resource that you use on a regular basis that you would recommend to our audience? Oh, that's a really good question. Okay, so so the E-Myth is one of my favorites, and a couple of other really good ones, uh, especially for software, would be the Lean Startup by Eric Rice or Reese, and then the Goal by Eliyahu Goldratt. The Goal is is taught in a lot of schools. It was actually taught in my undergrad and also my MBA program, all about processes and making making those processes efficient. Um, so those are three books, but I think the most valuable resource is networking and talking with other entrepreneurs to see what they're doing, seeing what's working. So becoming part of a community where you can talk to people and get their insights and their ideas and brainstorm and find out what mistakes they're making and what they're doing right, I think is a really valuable, a valuable resource. And then lastly, listening to podcasts like yours. I listen to a lot of podcasts to see what people are doing that's working. So you're saying we should actually get out from behind our computers and go talk to people <laughs> face to face? I know it's That's crazy. crazy. I know. <laughs> Remember people? Remember people. <laughs> They are out there. They're friendly. How, how we used to we used to talk to each other. Um <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, and, and you get to make uh, make friends when you do that. So it's nice to to be doing research and put your head in a book and uh surf the web and read a lot of articles and whatnot, but Nothing beats good old-fashioned shaking hands and talking to people, making friends. Definitely. And, and I know one of those things for me, you know, is I'm out talking to people in different fields and, and uh, you know, what have you, and we'll be talking about something, and they might say one little thing or they might have one little take on an issue that's um, so different than anything I would have thought on on my own, but I can immediately apply it to something in my business or in my world, and, and I would have never come up with it before. Sure, yeah, and, and if you're looking for business ideas, there's nothing better than talking to other business owners about their pains and what they're going through that will give you ideas of how you might be able to solve it, and there could be a new business born from that. Yeah, definitely. Find that starving that starving uh, crowd and feed them. Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, that's that's one of the reasons why I started one of my websites, which is called an Invincible Startup, which is just a community for entrepreneurs to talk to each other, exchange ideas, and I have videos on there that are trainings about different subjects and video interviews with successful entrepreneurs, uh, so people can just network and talk with people that are like them that are going through the startup process. 
that's that's a great resource and that's something that we all need a little bit of that uh you know reassurance that that everything's going to be okay <laughs> you know that we can do it and get around those like-minded people it's a great resource well it's when you're first starting out there are a lot of things that can make you nervous and a lot of mistakes you can make and just sitting down with another entrepreneur and talking through it really helps a lot i think whether it's your first time or it's your 10th startup it uh, it really makes a difference there's always somebody cooler than you more successful than you, smarter than you, and we should associate ourselves with people like that. Yeah, and, and being open to learn. And, you know, with, with your martial arts background, I'm going to go ahead and use this analogy because I'm sure this is a story you've you've heard before, but it was about the, the master and the student with the, the cup. You know, with the cup. Right. Um, right. You know, and, and so for those of you who don't know this, basically there, there was a master working with the student and the student – uh, we just wasn't learning anything. I already knew everything, and and so the the master said, okay, we're we're going to have some tea, and had the student or had had the cup down for the student, started pouring tea in the cup, and it just kept overflowing, 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 and and the student looked at the master and said, master, there's no more room in in the cup for more water, and he said, exactly, you need to empty your cup first so you can make room for more for more water, for more tea, and so in this case, for more knowledge. So we need to go ahead and, and scale back the ego, open up our minds a little bit, and let ourselves learn. Right. So I know we fall in that trap sometimes. I, I love that story, and it reminds me of a song by the band Ben Folds, I guess uh, individual singer Ben Folds. It's called Someone Cooler Than You, and it's always about how no matter how awesome you are, there is somebody always cooler than you that you can learn yep. from. So <laughs> don't be so cocky. There's somebody cooler than you. Yep. And it's okay. Just go learn what they do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Very nice. So so what's one of those things that, that you do, Trajan, in your life, uh, one of your personal habits that contributes to your success? Well, one of the things that I have done recently that I really like is I downloaded this app called Lyft. And what it does is you can put in tasks or goals that you do every day. And then every day you check it off and it helps you form form a, a habit. So so one of the things I do now is uh, is I like to write in a journal in a different language every day. So I go into Lyft, into Lyft and I write that in as one of my tasks. And then every time I do it, I check it off, and it reminds me if I haven't done it that day. And it helps me build build a habit because I think habits really form who we are, and they're the basis of our our success or failure is how we're using our time. So Lyft like uh, apps like that really help. Help me stay on track. Another one is is I per, I write a piece of content every day, so that that app Lyft helps me uh, keep track if I'm doing it, and it it keeps track of how many days in a row I do it. So it helps me uh, helps me form those those habits, and then after a while I don't really need to need the app anymore because I've got that habit every day of what I, whatever I'm doing. So that's kind of a, one of the things I've done then recently. I love it. I love it. Thanks for that. I haven't heard of that before, so I really like that. That's yeah, a cool app. You can share it with your friends, and so they can they can uh, support you, and they they like your can give you a like and uh, interact with pe- different people uh, about their their habits and their tasks. It's not like a task list. It's just a way to help you form habits. It's a nice accountability tool, especially when you can make you know share it with people, make it a little bit more public. Exactly. Exactly. You're more likely to do it. When you know that you you're accountable to other people and you've got you're trying to build a streak, you know I want to do this 30 days in a row. 
then you're you're going to take it more seriously. Yeah, I love it. So what do you do then now? Because we've talked about working a million hours and how even as an entrepreneur, you still have to work a lot of hours. How do you recharge? How do you stay fresh? Well, I, I take, uh, take some time off for myself every, every day and, uh, of course, on the weekends where I can just think like we were talking about before. Every morning I go, I go for a run where I can listen to a podcast or listen to the news and generate ideas and and then when I get when I get back, I'll write down those ideas and maybe turn them into tasks. And uh, sometimes for Type A entrepreneurs, it's a little difficult to relax. So I try to compartmentalize as much as I can. And and apps in your phone is great for that because we often have ideas at all hours of the day, and then we want to go implement those ideas and do something about it. But sometimes you just need to write those ideas down and put them in a drawer or put them in your phone for tomorrow and have some time for yourself. Very nice. I like it. Um, okay, so the next one here. This is a big one. What's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Or what's one piece of advice that you want to offer to us? Oh, okay. Well, Or give us both. Well, here I'll quote something that my dad always tells me when, when I call him and tell him about what how busy I was today. And I'll say, I was so busy today. I was working on a lot of things. And he always asked me, well, were you working on the right things? Were you working on the things that actually made you money? And I think as an entrepreneur, it's easy to be busy. It's easy to be working on a lot of different projects and ideas, but we need to make sure that we're focused on, on what it is that's going to make us the most money. So that reminder from, from my dad, I think has really helped me to focus on the things that are most important and not just trying to be busy because being busy doesn't really get us anywhere. Yeah. Really leverage those times, that time, work on your strengths. I love it. Mm -hmm. All right. One more doozy time to inspire us time to call us to action. What's one thing that our audience can do in the next 48 hours to improve their business laid on us. (laughs) Uh, okay. Well, every business is, is different. So my answer will be a little bit, a little bit general, but I think it's to sit down at the beginning of every, every day and plan out the day. Like we talked about before, plan out the hours we're going to do things and the tasks that we're going to get done. And then at the end of the day, review those tasks and see if they get done or not. And it's kind of the philosophy of lean manufacturing that, that, uh, was was uh, implemented by Toyota to improve the quality of their cars and the efficiency of their factories in in the 80s and 90s is that you want to make sure that you're improving every day. And the only way to improve every day is look at your processes and your your tasks continually at the beginning of every day and review at the end of every day to see where you're wasting time, maybe look at how much time you're, you're spending on Facebook, or how much time you're spending in meetings and think about whether or not that was really the best, the best use, use of your time and resources and do that every day at the beginning and end, at the end of every day. It makes me think of begin with the end in mind. So if we're looking toward the end of the day and we know we're going to have to look back at all the junk we did right. <laughs> during the day and hold ourselves accountable to it, uh, you know, that might make it a little bit easier to cut that out and, and creating that plan ahead of time will help to do that. Exactly. Be accountable to yourself. 
and put that in your in your to-do list or your your app like Lyft is did I do a review of my day at the end of, the, of every day and did I plan my day before I I got to the office or I turned on my computer the first thing I do is I jump on email and then the next thing I know two hours have gone by and what have I accomplished uh, I spent an hour of it on BuzzFeed and another hour answering emails um, Exactly. It, it, it's kind of like you go on a diet and you keep your food journal, and when you look back at the end of the day and you see all the stuff you ate, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. oh man, right. <laughs> I'm going to do better the next time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just try to try to improve every day. Yeah. Very good. Well, Trajan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. You've given us some great knowledge. Before we sign off, though, please tell us tell us your sites how we can learn more about you, how we can get a hold of you. Okay, well, I would, I would love to interact or talk to any of your audience members. You can find me on Twitter at Trajan King, T-R-A-J-A-N-K-I-N-G. And my networking site that I mentioned is InvincibleStartup.com. And for any of, your, any of your listeners, I will offer six months free if anybody wants to, to, to come and join us and talk about their startup and interact with other people. Just use the promo 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 code trap and you can sign up and uh and join us join us to talk and and i'll put that in the show notes everybody so that'll be there have a link and and the uh, promo code in there so trajan very nice thank you for that it's very generous no problem like i said i love talking to entrepreneurs and we should all be helping each other out all right my guest today was trajan king again thank you so much for being on the show and i look forward to talking to you again soon thank you chris i appreciate it